Oh, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, do you smell that? Do you, do you fucking smell what's coming over the horizon? Do you just get a good whiff of it? That, um, it smells like it smells like Labette. Hey, I smell some some blue cheese in the air. And I smell some Bills football, baby. We're right around the corner. And welcome to the old New York Mafia edition. This episode was supposed to come out with the preliminary episode, but it buffered out because the internet fucking blows. But here we are, baby. We're getting started. And I'm, I'll tell you what, I'm ecstatic. I can't tell you how fucking excited I am. So excited that it's kind of excreting through my fucking veins right now. I can't, I can't even put it to words this feeling that I have. I get so jittery before the Bills season because, like I said in that first episode, man, you know it. Buffalo, we ain't got much. We don't. But these sports teams, they're the, the binding. They're the glue to this city. And it means a lot to a lot of people. And I'm happy that I now have a platform to talk about it just a little bit more, you know, and then be a voice. And if you're here listening, thank you very much. Welcome to the Mafia Edition. I want this episode to kind of be quick, too. Uh, basically, with all these episodes, I kind of want to do just a quick rundown of the week. What happened this week? Uh, you know, Who's playing? Who's not? What's going on with the other team? Do a quick breakdown and, and just really keep it short and sweet. But I want this to be a place like I, I may have said this in the first episode, but I listened to a podcast by a guy called Joe Marino. Locked on Bills. It's the best Bills podcast on the planet. It's fantastic. He's a draft analyst. He's incredibly smart, and I appreciate his opinion a lot. But he does an episode every day. I don't want to do that. I kind of want to just condense a whole week into an episode. So if you haven't paid attention, you haven't been on Twitter or Instagram, you don't know what's going on with the Bills, you don't know about the injuries or whatever, you can come here, hear it all, and just be you know prepared for the game. This episode, I just, I'm going to quickly run over the roster. You know, I might not even, I, I'll briefly run through the entire roster, not going to break it all down. I'm going to run down, there's three new starters that have been named. We'll go through that real quick. And then I'm just going to run down the New York Jets and just what we're going up against, which I think is a pretty fucking daunting task. It is, but, you know, we're the Buffalo Bills and we're a pretty daunting task to other teams. So, Hey, man, we're, we're just going to keep it a buck here and we're going to have some fun. Uh, I hope that you guys have followed the Instagram. If you haven't, what are you doing? You're you're wasting time here. You're just wasting time because you're already a fan. You came back from the first episode. Why haven't you just hit the follow button? Go hit the follow button at fucking subscribe or whatever it is on Spotify. We're on Spotify, baby. Come on. Subscribe. Do whatever you got to do. Follow. Stay in tune with the updates for the show. But let's get right into it. Let's just run down the roster. We're just going to go position by position, and it's it's really simple. First of all, we get the quarterback position. We know who the starting quarterback is. It's Mr. Joshua Allen. Okay, the guy's a dog. After him, we got Kyle Allen and this new guy, Shane. I want to say it's Buchel from Kansas City. Bit of a pocket passer. Not really a running around, crazy athletic specimen. But he, he'll make the right throws when needed. I like him. I almost like him more than Kyle Allen. I didn't really, I wasn't astounded with what Kyle Allen put on the field in preseason. But hey, knock on fucking wood. We're not going to need any of those guys. Because we got Josh. And we know what Josh is. I mean, this is an MVP caliber player. I mean, our goals are set. And I'm not going to say what our goals are. I'm an extremely superstitious person. You're going to find throughout this process of this show. I'm not going to say what our goals are, but I think we're all aware on what the fuck we're trying to do here. There's a final destination that we need to reach and we haven't reached before. So we're shooting for the stars. And I think Josh is obviously the perfect guy to have there. Uh, second, then we're going to get the running backs. Running backs, this went from easily... If not our weakest, one of our weakest position groups to one of our strongest throughout this offseason, which I'm 100% fine with. Obviously, top of the home, we get James Cook, second year guy out of Georgia. Fucking fantastic player. You know, was one of the top 
running backs and like 15 yard plus carries or something weird like that. I can't remember. You know, a lot of the NFL's got a million little weird, intricate stats. Guy's a dog and he's explosive and he's great out of the backfield receiving. I'm excited to see him. But after that, we got that dude, Damian Harris, fighting a little knee injury. But we know what Damian Harris is. If you remember a couple of years ago, we faced the Patriots three times. We faced them twice in the regular season. And then we also faced them in the playoffs. And if you remember that windy game, man, that was, it was close. It was really, really close. And he was the reason that game was so close. That, that 50, 60 yard run. I mean, the guy's a dude. And I love that we have him uh, as a replacement for Naeem Hines because his fucking knees exploded because some drunk maniac on a jet ski hit him. But we got Damien. I like Damien. I also like this guy, Latavius Murray. If you don't know who Latavius Murray is, this guy is just a seasoned veteran. Big fucking dude. And when he came into the league, he was what? I think he's like 6'3", 6'4", and like 240 pounds. And he was running like a 4'3", 40. Like that, that's not a tank on wheels. That's an elephant running because, you know, a lion attacked its, its little baby elephant. That's, dude, that's a mad mother elephant running at you through the A-gap, and he'll put you on a fucking t-shirt. I mean, he had a couple 70-yard runs during training camp. If you follow, also follow the Buffalo Fanatics. Great updates. I love the Buffalo Fanatics. They're fantastic. Um, and during training camp, they have people there watching the training camp and tweeting out what happens, and I keep up with it because I'm a nerd. I love that shit. And, uh, yeah, no, he, this guy... He's still got it for an older gentleman. I can't remember. I want to say he's in his 30s. I don't know to be 100% honest, but Latavius Murray's a dog. And I've heard that with every team he's been on, there's the Latavius Murray game where, knock on wood again, the running backs are injured and he's got to come in and just do his thing. And he gets like, you know, 20-something carries, 190 yards and like three touchdowns. And I don't want that to happen. I want Cook to be in the whole year. But if if it's got to happen, I'm happy we have uh, Latavius Murray as that third running back. And then we got Reggie Gilliam. We know Reggie Gilliam. The guy's basically a tight end now. He's a doke. We love Reggie. Um, tight end, exciting. This is an exciting group. Obviously, we got Dawson and Quentin Morris, Mac. They were the two tight ends last year. I like Quentin Morris. He's got potential. We know Dawson. We know that man, the curly-haired legend. He's a dog. Dalton Kincaid, though, is the real X factor for the rookies this year. You know, like, this is the make or break. If he's good, it's going to make our whole rookie class look good, I feel. And I don't like how everybody's immediately classing him with a Kelsey kind of guy or, uh, not really, I'm not even going to say other Hall of Fame tight ends. Everybody wants to call him Kelsey because of his receiving ability and, and how he gets out of his breaks. And he showed it in preseason. He's an athlete. And an athlete as a, a tight end, if you will, not a receiver, who's going to split out. And even McDermott said he's going to have him not tight to the line like a normal, you know, regular tight end, if you will. He's going to have him split out kind of like a split or a slot receiver. I like it. I like that that is. And you see with tight ends in the NFL, they're kind of coddled. And it's like, all right, well, well you're going to be a major factor in pass protection and we're going to see what you can do and then maybe we'll get you involved in the receiving game a little bit more and it, and it happens slowly it seems like they want this guy firing all on all cylinders immediately and i'm happy with that like that's perfect i'm excited and when he got drafted we were drafting at like what 28 and i remember we got to like pick 22 23 and i was getting tired i worked all day and I was sitting in a chair and my girlfriend was laying down and I was like, I got to stay up. I got to sit in this chair. If I lay down, I'm going to fall asleep. I went to bed and I laid down and she's like, you better sit up because you're going to miss the pick. I said, nah, dude, it's fucking 28. It's a while away. And then they drafted up and he got picked way earlier. I woke up the next morning and I was pissed. I couldn't believe that the Bills took a tight end. And I can't believe that we traded up for a tight end nonetheless. I was one of them guys who thought we needed defensive tackles and offensive linemen, mainly offensive linemen. And I wasn't happy with it, but now I've seen this dude put some put some work on the field, and he's also now showing it in training camp, I guess. 
he, he's looking like a dog. And I'm excited to see him in a game with starters on the field, not second string, third string guys. And we'll see if this Kelsey comparison holds up. But him and Dawson Knox are going to be the best tight end duo in the league, whether it takes a year or it happens right now. I mean, Knox is that guy, like, he just scores touchdowns. And there's certain people in, in football in general where it's like, okay, you could catch the ball 10 times and then get 150 yards, but no touchdowns. And then there's just one guy who's just a touchdown getter. He's just a touchdown scorer. And that's Dawson Knox. I also feel the same about Gabe Davis. Gabe Davis doesn't get an immense amount of yards, but the man's found in the end zone. And, and what do you want out of a receiver or any type of playmaking position in football? You want them to score touchdowns. So I think this duo is going to be insane. I feel like Kincaid's going to be those chip away yards with Diggs and Davis and Hardy and, and then just Dawson Knox corner of the end zone. Josh Allen's like literally almost out of bounds and just flicks it to him in the corner and, you know, touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Uh, but anyway, let's, let's move on. Let's get to the receivers. We know the receiver group at the top, the starters, if you will. Diggs and Davis, we know what they do. I'm, and I'll say here, I'm the biggest Gabe Davis fan. I, I saw him get drafted a couple of years ago. I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? I look at his highlights, instantly a fan. And then I saw him the day I truthfully became like a diehard Gabe Davis fan is in Miami when he caught that first touchdown of his career. He just dove out for it. I'm like, this guy. That's a tough catch for a rookie. And and he went out and, and proved it that year and has proved it every year since. He's like a seven touchdown a year score. Then he in the Kansas City 13 second game, which we're not going to talk about because I don't want to have a grand ball seizure right now. Dude, I cried four times. This is my favorite player scoring four touchdowns and we still lost. I cried four times, too happy, too sad in front of my fucking family as a grown man. I cried. And that's fine, because at the end of the day, that game happened, and it sucks that it happened, but at least Gabe scored four. That's where I was at with it. it. Gabe is my guy. I got a jersey. He's a dog. Favorite player on the Bills, no doubt. And also, Diggs. I want to talk about Diggs. He deserves to be talked about, but we know who Stephon Diggs is. There was a whole offseason drama that's out the air. He said he's here in Buffalo the second time in the, in the press or um, interviews. He has said he wants to retire in Buffalo. We love Diggs, and we love what he puts out on the field, and I feel like this year he's really going to reconnect with Josh, and Dorsey's going to get him a lot more involved than he was last year because he wasn't involved, and you could see it in the game. You're like, why the fuck is Diggs not getting the ball? He's the best guy in the field, but I think that's going to be fixed this year, and I hope because now we got some more depth in the receiving core because now we're not working with fucking 48-year-old Cole Beasley, who's one of my all-time goats on the Bills, or John Brown. You know, We're not dealing with these old guys and bringing them back and practice squatting them and activating them when we need. We got these dudes like Deontay Hardy, Trent Sherfield, Khalil Shakir's coming back on his second year, second year, third year. I think it's second year. I like Shakir. I want him to be more involved, but I also like Deontay Hardy. Deontay Hardy is a little more proven than Shakir in the slot, and the man's shifty. That's the one thing that comes to my mind when I watch him, and I, I saw we traded for him, I didn't, or excuse me, uh, picked him up from free agency, and I didn't really know who he was. I looked up his highlights. The man is shifty. Low center of gravity, pew, 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 can make a cut on a dime. He's fucking incredible, man, and I'm excited to see what he puts out in the short game and the RPO um, aspect of our offense. I feel like he's going to be involved early and I'm excited for him but I don't want us to forget about Shakir I really like Khalil Shakir and what he put out for us and it, his progression he was like I said with the tight ends kind of coddled in it was slow but then towards the end of the year he started getting more balls thrown to him and, and he was making some really tough catches and he did in the preseason too especially in that first game I forget who he made the catch on but he he's got some I want to say, like, in Madden, his spectacular catch rating, it's pretty high. He can get up there. When when it's a ball that needs to be caught or it's a 50-50 ball, if you will, he'll go up and get it. And He's not the biggest guy, but I like what he puts out on the field when he's out there getting targeted, and I hope that he's not forgotten about because we got Hardy. And we also got Trent Shurfield, which I think was honestly one of our 
sleeper kind of pickups throughout free agency because he came from the Dolphins and he's not he's not a veteran. He's he's been in the league a couple of years, but what he brings is a veteran's mentality in my mind. Because not only is he a good pass catcher, he's proven he's a good pass catcher. You could see it on Twitter and on Instagram, all these clips they put out. You know, Allen likes throwing to him, apparently. And obviously, I'm not there. I'm not the coach. I'm not going to act like I know everything that happens at practice. But from what I've seen on my aspect of who I follow and how I get my news from the Bills, Allen likes throwing to him, and the coaches like him. And that's, that's fine with me. I like to have receivers who are trusted. And I like that depth with that trust to go all the way down the depth chart. And this Sherfield guy, he's all right. He can catch the ball. He runs good routes. He's also very willing to block and stock block, which is something that a lot of receivers just aren't nowadays. And you hear that whole term, like pretty little receivers don't want to get their hands dirty kind of thing. This ain't Sherfield. Sherfield's a dog. And I like him. You should, I should get a counter for how many times I've said dog in this episode. Because we got a bunch of dogs, okay? We do. And and not only does Sherfield want to stock block and is willing to do that dirty work, but he also gets it done on a special team. He brings tremendous value to our football team, and I'm very excited about that. And also, I'm going to add in, even though he's on the practice squad, we also have Andy Isabella, who I believe is going to take that roster spot because Justin Shorter, rookie, I want to say out of Florida, injured, IR, not going to be in this year. So we got Isabella, too. We know who Andy Isabella is. That boy is a speedster. Okay, he can get up out of there if he needs to. And I'm happy that we have him as insurance, and I think he might even be suited up the first week. We'll have to see, but technically he's on the practice squad right now, and you know we'll see how his role develops throughout the year. But I like having Isabella as insurance, at, at the minimum insurance for the team. So the receiver group is strong and stronger than it was last year. And then we get to the offensive line, which honestly, I feel like four out of five positions, had, I'm going to say were upgraded or are fine. But then it comes down to Spencer Brown for me. I'm a Spencer Brown hater. I don't like him. I don't like Spencer Brown, period, at all. And, and you hear McDermott and Bean talk about third year. And the third year is really when you see what football player you've got. You know, they've got a couple of years under their belt. They've seen a lot of different, you know, uh, rushes come at them, if you will. You, you've seen all the blitz packages. Let's see what they can do now that they're aware of what's going to be coming at them. They're not really a rookie anymore. I just don't like Spencer Brown. He's got the physicals. He's an all right run blocker. But as a right tackle in the NFL nowadays, you have to be able to pass block. And if you've got these guys running circles around you, like that's it's not good for the football team. It's not, but I feel like the rest of our offensive line is upgraded. I mean, obviously you get Mitch Morse at center, Mr. Concussion himself. I mean, he's an animal and he will continue to be an animal until the day he decides to hang it up. And he's been with Josh for several years now. He's a, he's a fantastic player and I really like Mitch Morris and I always have. And also Deion Dawkins. I mean, there's a little bit of Deion Dawkins hate going on. I don't get it. I think he's one of the better left tackles in the game. Uh, and he has his moments. Don't get me wrong. I get it. I watch all the games. I see it. Um, but I, for the most part, love what Deion Dawkins puts out on the field. <clears throat> and then also we get the first guy that we ended up getting in free agency this year, Connor McGovern, who I think is fantastic as a football player. And what I saw from him, I didn't watch him on the Cowboys, to be honest with you, but what I saw him put out in the preseason, I liked. I really did like, and there was one place specifically where it was a pass and everybody went to pass block and they started taking their kick steps. And I know it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of the play, but four out of the five linemen drop back deep with their kick steps or, you know, going into pass protection. And then it just kind of at the line of scrimmage, you just see Connor McGovern just completely sticking. I can't remember who it was. It was the Pittsburgh game, I want to say. So part of me wants to say it was Cameron Hayward, but I don't think it was just because it's preseason and Hayward's been in the league longer than dirt's been on the ground. But it just, it, it was weird because the line of scrimmage, everybody just evacuated and all the defensive linemen rushed upfield and, and the linemen were dropping back trying to block them. And it just kind of left 
Connor McGovern in this defensive tackle, like in the middle of the stage with the spotlight on him, if you will. And he didn't move. He dug his heels in the ground. And that tackle was suppressed immediately from the snap of the ball. And that, I just, I love it. I love seeing a lineman on the Bills that's able to take one person and just control them. Because I feel like that's something that, especially at the guard position, has just been so hit or miss the last couple of years. And like even back when we had like Quentin Spain, and don't even make me fucking go force myself to puke when talking about Roger Saffold. I don't even want to think about that idiot. I, I was so excited for him, and he was such a bum. And he's just, you know, another name added to that list of guards that didn't work out. I think Connor McGovern was a really nice pickup, a young centerpiece of our offensive line, along with Osiris Torrance. And he's one of the new three starters, okay? This guy came in and beat out seasoned veterans, Ryan Bates. He, he pushed him out. And I love Ryan Bates. I think he's a good guard. I think he's serviceable. He's not the best guard. There's definitely upgrades you can get for him. But for the Bills, being a team that hasn't really had the best offensive line, he's been one of those better pieces. And now we have him as depth. And then behind Ryan Bates, or maybe behind Connor McGovern, if you will, we have David Edwards from the Ram or the Rams. That guy is another person who has been a starter in this league. And I, I want to say he even won a Super Bowl with them. And like... Our guard depth is incredible this year. And I love what we have. And especially with Osiris Torrance on that offensive line, man. He pushed those two guys out. We got a real animal on that offensive line. He's a fucking gorilla. Look at him. He's huge. He's a big guy. He's stocky. He's got big shoulders, great length in his arms. He's great in run protection, or excuse me, run blocking. We'll see how he is in pass protection. I like him. But I feel like that right side with him and Spencer Brown, I mean, he's a rookie. We know. We know what we get with rookies. There's always, you know, bumps in the road. I don't think there's going to be a lot of bumps with Osiris Torrance. I feel like he's a, a pro's pro. I feel like he's a guy who's going to learn quickly for some reason. But I think Spencer Brown is a fucking liability. And, you know, we'll see what happens with the offensive line, but I think we've made some good moves. And I think with Spencer Brown too, we got guys behind him that can go in and make a difference like Alec Anderson and, uh, and, and Vandemark. I really think that we have decent tackle depth now. And we also got that Jermaine Afidi or Afadi or whatever the fuck. And apparently he's got really good length. He was a first round pick a couple years ago. He came from Seattle. We picked him up, but I heard he's very, He's one of the most penalized players in the NFL. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is the piece we needed. Another fucking penalty machine on the offensive line. Uh, and we saw that in preseason. Really bad. Really bad discipline from the offensive line, especially in that one game. But, you know, we'll put that aside and we'll see what we get. But I feel like there's decent depth behind Brown that, that they could pick up. And Vandemark and Alec Anderson are two guys that also kicked fucking veterans off the roster in Questenberry, who I think was terrible, and I think most people in Buffalo thought he was terrible because he had linemen running laps around him before they sacked the quarterback. He was so slow, he had no knees. Um, they, they booted him off the roster. They proved it. They've been on the practice squad a couple of years, and you know these guys, they wouldn't be on the team if they weren't good football players. So I'm, I'm hoping that they can pick up if Brown happens to leave off somewhere. And I think I liked our future at tackle, but right now I'm, it's a liability. Let's move over to the defense. To the defense. We get to the defensive line, which is easily the best group on the Buffalo Bills. I mean, just looking at the edge rushers with Von Miller, when he's healthy, week five, when he comes back, we're going to have Von Miller, Leonard Floyd, who were teammates in L.A., won a Super Bowl together. And then, that's not even counting, Mr. Greg Rousseau and A.J. Epinesa. All right, these guys are some real football players. And, and Greg Rousseau is a physical specimen. Leonard Floyd's a nine-sack-a-year kind of guy. 
we know who Von Miller is. And when he comes back, I think he's going to come back stronger. I think he's one of those guys that's just mentally upstairs. He's, he's solid and he knows what he needs to do to make this team successful with his 111. He knows what he's got to do. I'm excited to see these edge rushers at, at, at full health. It's going to be a doozy for these offensive lines. And then not, not to mention, we also got Shaq Lawson. Uh, Shaq Lawson came back. He's like, I play better in Buffalo. Buffalo's my city. I don't know. I don't know. He's all right, but he's not a guy that I'd rather have on the field other than Leonard Floyd and Epinesa and all these guys. And I'm mad we got rid of Basham. I wish that we could have traded Shaq Lawson to New York and kept Basham, but we got fucking fleeced in that trade too. What, we gave up like a seventh to get a sixth back with a, you know, a fucking seventh and bash him for a sixth round pick. We better get fucking Tom Brady in that sixth round because I'm mad we lost Basham. I feel like he played really well in the preseason, but whatever. I wish we could have got rid of Lawson. I really don't like him. And then at the end of the edge rushers, we also got Kingsley Jonathan, who's a guy, you remember the Paris game last year? This guy came up from the practice squad and, and he made plays. And he wouldn't be here right now if we didn't believe in him. And I think when Von Miller, his injuries eventually over, he's back week five. Kingsley Jonathan's going to go back down to the practice squad. And we're going to keep him around because he's a, he's a good insurance player. He's kind of like Isabella right now. You know, really nice insurance. And if we need him and, you know, knock on wood again. If somebody goes down, we got Mr. Jonathan in the backfield. And then we get to the interior defensive line. Ed Oliver, who just got a paycheck. I'm not sure how I feel about it. He better play good because I'm not the biggest Ed Oliver fan, but you look at the numbers. I mean, he makes plays and he earned the money. So we got our big guy, Ed Oliver, with Daquan Jones. That'll, those will probably be the starters day one. And Daquan Jones is one of the most double teamed defensive tackles in the league. And the thing with defensive line, like we'll, we'll say in the beginning of the year when the defensive line was really strong. Von Miller was getting all these double teams. They're throwing two guys his way, so that's leaving one-on-ones for guys like Ed Oliver to eat, Greg Rousseau to eat. You know, that's why these guys, and not only these guys, but the entirety of the offensive, or excuse me, the entirety of the defensive line was incredible in the beginning of the year. These double teams were pushed towards Von Miller, and if they're not only pushed towards Von Miller, you know, after week five, but if we have that in the first four weeks of the year with Daquan Jones. I mean, that gives our defensive line, now with the new addition of Leonard Floyd, a lot of room to eat. And we'll see if they push double teams towards Rousseau or Floyd. Those are two proven guys that could also pick up two offensive linemen on each play and leave other guys open to make, you know, good plays like Epinesa. And then, not to mention, McDermott's running that defense. There's going to be a lot of blitzes. So if they're picking up double teams and these offensive linemen are lost in the sauce, looking at these guys that they think they got a double, and then a Matt Milano or Terrell Bernard shoots in, or a Christian Kirksey, Jordan Poyer, Taylor Rapp, and they just come in and smoke your quarterback a couple of times, that that offense is going to come out weary the next drive. You know, I I love our defensive line. I love having guys like Daquan Jones there. And then not to mention, we got the young guy, Tim Settle, with that weird little fucking penguin dance he does. I love that shit. Every time he gets a sack, you know, I'm doing that same fucking dance. You know, on Sundays, as soon as Tim Settle does that dance, I want you to understand that exact moment in the time continuum and in the universe, I am doing that dance with him. I love Tim Settle. Jordan Phillips, that man's held on by like three threads at this point. I, I don't know why we brought him back. I mean, he's one of those guys that has been around so long. We want to keep him. He He's very efficient when he's healthy, but he just hasn't been healthy the last couple of years. We'll see what happens. And then we get the dude who can literally scratch his knees without bending over, Puna Ford from Seattle. This guy is an undrafted free agent who came in, proved it, earned a starting job in Seattle, and he has the length of a fucking moose, dude. And this guy can, you know, go in a 10-foot room and lean left to right and touch each side of the wall. And not only does he have this length, which is very necessary to play defensive line, but he's got a high motor. He chases ball carriers down from the middle of the field to the sideline or sideline to sideline, if you will. But, you know, obviously he's in the middle of each play. He's a, a 
crazy good defensive lineman, I feel. And he's young, and he's got time. He's on a one-year deal, and I think he's going to prove it, and he'll be back. But I think having him in that rotation, because you know how the defensive line works with the Buffalo Bills. It's a platoon. We have two guys go in. We take them out when they're tired, put two new guys in, keep them fresh, which I love. And I think our, our rotation got stronger this year. And with the addition of Tim Settle last year, I think he's gotten better through this offseason. I think he's going to be more of an impact. I, I, I love what we have, that defensive line. And it's easily our strongest group on this football team. Let's move to linebacker. We know who our starting will linebacker is, or the weak side, if you will. Uh, that it's going to be Matt Milano, at all pro. Another guy I'm just not even going to waste my breath on. But there's been a, a new starter named. Since Tremaine Edmonds has now gone to the Bears, love Edmonds. I'm mad that we lost him in the year that I feel like every year that we had Tremaine Edmonds, it's like, okay, he did really good. Like he could always tackle, but it's like, oh, if he learned a little bit more in pass protection, then the next year he got better in zone coverage. And we're like, oh, well, you know, if he could be, have a little bit better IQ, I'm just pulling this out of my ass, by the way. I, I don't know exactly what each year we were upset about with Edmonds, but I think you get what I mean. Each year we kind of wanted a little bit more from Tremaine Edmonds whether it was pass protection or rushing the quarterback, whatever it was. And I feel like last year he really figured it out. And he was the best all-around football player that he's been in the NFL to this point. And we lost him. And I, I, I'm going to miss Tremaine Edmonds in his 90 to 100 tackles a year. He's a great player, and I wish him the best in Chicago. <clears throat> but with that, that left a really big hole on our defense. And you know throughout the preseason – it's like, all right, who's going to start? Is it going to be Dodson? Is it going to be Spectre? Is it going to be Bernard? And then you see Dodson was immediately pushed into that role and played like a dumpster fire. He was terrible. Um, so then they had to move on. Like, all right, what about Braylon Spectre? And I think he's even fought some injuries throughout the preseason, and he just didn't prove it to this point. And then you get to Terrell Bernard, which is great. He's you know, this guy who played kind of like a matchup linebacker in college, which a matchup linebacker is kind of like, you know, all right, you're going to guard the tight end. You have the tight end the whole time throughout this play, or you got the, you know, outside receiver. And like, that's not, that's not a Mike linebacker. That's not a middle linebacker. That's not a Ray Lewis, if you will, or uh, who's another fucking middle linebacker? Like, uh, ah, what's that dude's name from the Bucks? Son of a bitch. I forget his name, but I think you get what I mean. He's not like a field general. He was told at a specific assignment and had to do that. And he did it well, and that's why we drafted him. But how is he going to be, you know, leading this defense? And not to mention, he didn't play at all through the preseason. He's been battling, I want to say it was a hamstring injury. Like, we haven't seen anything from Bernard. But apparently what he did in OTAs and and training camp was enough to sway this coaching staff to say, all right, we're going to roll with Bernard. But what throws me off is we picked up Christian Kirksey. And if you don't know who Christian Kirksey is, he's an established guy in the NFL, played a couple years with Poyer. I want to say, I know he played with Poyer and Hyde. I'm like positive he played with Poyer in Cleveland and then Hyde in college. I don't know where they went to college, though. I think that's how that breaks down. But the thing is, he's an established guy, played for the Browns, played for the Texans. Now he's here. I would like to see him just week one because I feel like Bernard's, especially against a team like the New York Jets right now, with what we're assuming is going to be a high-powered offense, maybe not through the air, but they got two of the best running backs in the league in Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook. And we're going to have this guy running around. He just better make plays week one. Because this is a big game. This is a division game off the bat. This is going to matter later in the year. So I really hope that he is what the coaching staff believes he's going to be. But we'll, we're going to have to see. I, I think eventually Christian Kirksey will move into that middle linebacker role. And, you know, they're going to do what they want to do. They're going to see if they got talent throughout the draft. But I don't think. Bernard's the guy. Apparently, he's great on the blitz, and you know, when given an assignment, he handles the assignment. So, we only saw him one game last year. I can't remember which game specifically, but I remember he didn't woo me, and I don't remember what game it was. That's enough to say that he didn't do enough for at least my opinion to be swayed on him 
So I, obviously I'm not around him all year. We'll see how he does. But linebacker, I feel like is taken care of and eventually will be, uh, it, it will be Kirksey. And then we got Dorian Williams too. Young guy out of Tulane. Everybody's like, put, put Williams in that middle linebacker. And we're like, we don't know what this guy can do. We don't. We'll see what happens, but he's got potential. And then Tyler Medikevich, that's a special teams captain. We love Medikevich, but he's not going to play that much in retrospect. I'm going to move back to safety. Obviously, Poyer and Hyde. Uh, apparently, Micah Hyde's been facing a little bit of a back injury going into the last part of this week. But I want to say it was Thursday. Is he Thursday or Friday? He was practicing with no, you know how they get the red, no contact jerseys. Um, he wasn't wearing one of those. He was running around at practice fine. So I'm not worried. I don't want you to be worried. I think he's going to play. We'll see. Obviously, there's probably going to be press conferences before the game, but I think Hyde's going to be in. Uh, we know Hyde and Poyer. These are two all pro level guys. They're dogs. Uh, and we know what we're going to get with them. And now with McDermott calling the defense, I think Poyer's going to be running in there like a dog with fucking rabies, just, <laughs> just going in at the quarterback, trying to fucking kill the guy. And, and, and Hyde's going to be that guy, you know, circling in the middle of the field. And I just, I like what our safeties bring. Then we get the guy, Taylor Rapp. We get him from Los Angeles. And I like Taylor Rapp. I really do. And, you know, he's our backup safety right now, but I feel like, because we haven't really heard what's happening with him. He's been this anomaly. And in the podcast I listen to and, and other you know, sources I have where I get my Bills information, nobody knows what's going on with Taylor Rat. There's no defined role for him yet from the coaching staff. Nobody's come out and said, all right, Taylor's going to be our, obviously wouldn't be a starting safety, but starting safety, you know, like it, nobody said that. And nobody knows what his role is going to be. But I feel like he's going to come out and like a dime defenses, nickel defenses, where you want more defensive backs on the field than linebackers. For people that don't know football, like a dime package is where you take a linebacker away, put a safety or a corner in, you know, in that spot and, you know, have better. And that's for, you know, long distance plays where, you know, they're going to pass third and longs, all that kind of stuff. So we'll see what happens, but I think he's going to have a major role, a significant role in this defense, and we're going to have to see. And then we also got DeMar Hamlin, and I got a hot take. I don't, I don't like DeMar Hamlin. Here's the thing. He's great for the community, and what he's done for his city of Pittsburgh and the city of Buffalo, he's a, he's a fantastic human being, and I'm not judging his character. But as a football player... I hate that motherfucker, DeMar Hamlin. I do with a passion. He doesn't, it, it, there's times where he comes, you know, sprinting downfield and, and hits the running back in the hole from being 25 yards back in, in a coverage. He sees something, runs down, hits that guy in the B gap, and you're like, fuck yeah, and you're screaming and yelling, let's go, DeMar. But then he's just like, at times, a liability in coverage. Misses a lot of tackles when he's not making impressive plays. Even when he, even when he fucking died, I was mad at DeMar Hamlin. I'm like, how the fuck do you get knocked out trying to tackle somebody? Are you fucking kidding me? And then he died twice. And I had to sit there for 25 minutes regretting what the fuck I just said. Dude, I'm not a fan of DeMar Hamlin being on the field. I'm not. And and I, I'm not even gonna lie, dude. When that happened, when he passed on the field that night against Cincinnati, dude, I, I was sad. And obviously, it struck the whole world, and it brought people together, and it's great. And it, thank God he's all right. And I wouldn't wish death upon the young man, but I don't want him on the football field. I don't. I do not want him on the field. I hate Demar Hamlin. And and when that happened, I went to the Sabres game and the Bills game that next week. Sabres won 6-5 in overtime. Electric. And then we know what happened at the Bills game. And dude, I had my Gabe Davis jersey on. I blanked out the ones and the Davis on the back. I put Hamlin on there. I'm throwing my threes up. I threw the threes up. But at the end of the day, I knew in my core and my heart that I hate that motherfucker. 
and I don't want him to play for us at all. And I hope there doesn't come... Not... Knock on wood 40 fucking times that that motherfucker doesn't have to step on the field once this year. Keep him on kickoff so he can miss some more tackles and it doesn't matter that much. Fucking hate Damar Hamlin. But aside from him, our safety room's fucking fantastic, dude. We're going to have a great secondary, but I don't want Damar Hamlin on the field. I feel like he's the biggest liability in the secondary. Then we move to corner, and this has been, next to linebacker, the biggest position battle throughout the whole offseason. Because obviously you're going to have Trey White start, all pro, another guy we don't even need to speak about, cornerstone of this team, uh, been here for a while. But then it, it broke down to the three guys. Dane Jackson, who's an established veteran, somewhat kind of a liability, in my opinion. Kyer Elam, first round guy last year, had some flashes, had some interceptions in the Kansas City game, you know, big plays. And then Christian Benford. And what I'll say is Benford is like my Gabe Davis at the secondary. When he came out of college, I'm like, who's this guy? And they said he's great in man-to-man coverage. And then, you know, the Buffalo Fanatics are posting film of this guy at college doing one-on-ones, and he's sticky to the receiver. He's a really good corner, and I liked him immediately last year. I did. And he even got an interception, I want to say, in the Vikings game. Like, I, he's got that ball hawk ability. And now he has won the job of cornerback two next to Trey White and pushed a first-round pick and Dane Jackson, who's an established guy on his team. And even McBean, if you will, McDermott and Bean, have said that Dane Jackson's best offseason was this year. And he pushed him out of that role. I love Christian Benford, and I feel I might get a jersey. I really, I, I posted on my personal Instagram on the Buffalo Fanatics. They put a position battle thing. Who do you think's gonna win? I said I'll, I'll go down with the ship. If this guy fucking blows, then whatever. I'm going down with it. But I think Christian Benford's gonna be a corner that's gonna be on this team for a while. He's gonna be a starting caliber player, and he's gonna be a playmaker within a year. With a full year under his belt, this guy's going to be a dog. Watch it. Any cornerback with face tattoos is an animal, and you don't want to fuck with him. And I like what he brings physically when he's coming downhill to hit receivers. I, I'm happy that they made that decision and didn't just say, all right, we're comfortable with Dane Jackson, throw him in. Because I, I think Dane Jackson's a liability. I think Kair Elam hasn't proved it yet. Uh, he's got time, but this year he just didn't. So we're rolling with Benny. Benny boy, that's my dog. Uh, and then, you know, Taron Johnson, another established guy, basically a linebacker. Best nickel corner in the league. If you say otherwise, you're wrong. Uh, look at the stats and look at the film. That guy, he he's made some tremendous plays in his time here. And I, I remember the exact moment when he took that 99-yard pick six home uh, in, in 2020 versus the Ravens. I remember it was... It's stapled in my mind. I think about it daily. It just, it warms my heart. And I love Taron Johnson. And then, you know, we got Cam Lewis and Saran Neal. Saran Neal's only getting better, I feel. Cam Lewis beat Marlowe off the squad this year, technically. I feel like those are the two guys that were really on the border of the roster. And Marlowe got cut, and we got Cam Lewis. They like him. I like him. But then if we're going to break down just entirely, it's the whole team. Obviously, special teams, we know who we got. T Money, T Bass, Sam Martin, and Reed Ferguson. You know, great guys, funny guys. Uh, but I think when it comes to the starters at the helm of the offense, we got Josh, obviously, Josh Allen. Cook's going to be a starting running back. I feel like when it comes to the first game of the year <clears throat> and the first play of the year, if you will, Knox is going to be on the field, but Knox and Kincaid are going to share that tight end role and tight end targets. Receiver, we're going to have Diggs, Davis, and I think Hardy's going to be out there with Sherfield. I feel like Shakir's going to be that fifth guy, and I, I'm not sure how I like that, but we're going to see the offensive line, Dawkins, McGovern, Morse, Torrance, Spencer Brown. We'll see how that rolls. And then the defensive line we know is a rotation, but they're going to start with Oliver. They're going to start with Daquan Jones, and then Floyd and Rousseau are going to be in the on the edges. And they might even take Floyd out and put Epinesa in first. We'll see what happens. But Floyd and Rousseau are going to be those first guys eventually, whether it's the first play or midway through the game. It'll be them. Uh, and then Milano and Bernard, those are our linebackers. We'll see how that rolls. I'll also count Taron Johnson as a linebacker because 
We know how he plays with that nickel role, and we're always running nickel defense. Poyer and Hyatt up top, Trey White, Christian Benny Benford at the corners, and then obviously Elam and Dane Jackson will roll in on that platoon too. Um, but I, I like our starting lineup. I feel like we've gotten stronger this year, and I like what we're going to bring to the table immediately. I do. And I think this week against the Jets, it's not going to be a gimme like it's been these past couple years. I mean, obviously, we know they got Aaron Rodgers. We know who Aaron Rodgers is. He's coming off his worst years these past two years. But you look at the situation in Green Bay, they weren't sure if he was going to retire. And then he didn't really have a lot of weapons. I don't think he did. I think his best weapons were in the backfield with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. And, you know, they, they had Watson and Lazard, but I don't think he had the ability to make plays in Green Bay. And I feel like now he's got that ability because he's got another good running back room. Brees Hall, Dalvin Cook, Michael Carter's a, a decent third guy to have. But then you look at the receivers and it's like, all right, Garrett Wilson's all right. Lazard's okay. Hartman's fast. Randall Cobb will get, you know, third down catches. But is this really, and, and then you look at the tight ends, Tyler Coughlin and Uzoma, or Uzoma, CJ Uzoma, you know what I'm talking about. They're all right. They're, it's not a bad skill group, but I feel like out of Wilson, it's a real drop-off when it comes to the receivers and tight <laughs> Immediate drop-off. Really, it is. And Garrett Wilson's going to be a fucking stud. And the fact that he lines up against Sauce Gardner every day makes me wet myself a little bit. And I'm not talking in a good way. In a scared, frightened, I don't know what's going to happen with this situation, but there's no way in hell that these two guys don't make each other better football players every day. I, I, I like it. And to be honest, I hate to say it, but I love the New York Jets. I love their team. I love the way they're built. Uh, I like the... What would you, the, I'm going to call it synergy. There's definitely a better word for it. But just that they seem tight already. And it's a lot of new guys. And Rodgers brought his package. He brought his shit. He cut some money to get Dalvin Cook in. He you know, obviously brings over Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard and, and people he's comfortable with. You know, the, they look solid and their defense is scary. Their defense is really scary. And obviously you get a guy like, you know, Quentin Williams. He just got paid. That motherfucker's going to play. He's going to play hard. His team's proven that they like him and that they're willing to give him the superstar-type money because he deserves it. Not only that, but the team trusts him, and that that helps a player play better. You know, like and people are saying it with Gabe Davis, like that we should sign him sooner than later because his price tag is going to go up. He's going to play good this year. He's going to try his ass off because he wants to make the most money for himself. This is a business. This is. And they're trying to set themselves up for, you know, their future. They want the most money they can get from playing this game. So I feel like Quentin Williams, now that he is signed, I just feel like there's going to be a real fire lit under him and, and, and is in his gut, and he's going to play hard. And then, you know, Quentin Jefferson, Solomon Thomas, they're all right to have behind him. But then, like, John Franklin Myers... That's the Josh Allen stopper. That's the guy that they want to chase Josh Allen around in the pocket and get him when he rolls out. And he's done all right with that so far. And Carl Lawson's all right too on that side. But and then and Jermaine Johnson? Are you fucking kidding me? That guy's fast as shit. And he will track Josh Allen down with Franklin Myers. Like those are solid edges to have in this division. And you get to the linebackers and and CJ Mosley's been around for the longest time, and he's played with Ray Lewis, and and I respect the fuck out of C.J. Mosley. He is just like, he's been there through the worst, through the absolute minimum of the Jets, and he's still here, and now it's all come to fruition, and it, if they eventually win a ring, which I really hope they don't, but if they, if they don't, this will be the biggest joke of all time in the NFL, and also, I feel that they should win a ring in these first two, three years that Rodgers is around because then it would make them look like idiots. But Mosley, that's the guy I'd be happy for because he's, he's stuck it through, through thick and thin. And, you know, 
He's still here. He's still fighting for this team. Now I love CJ Mosley for that. And then they're they're secondary. I mean, obviously you start off with Sauce Gardner, but then you also got that DJ Reed kid. He's fast as shit. Sauce Gardner is one of the best young talents in the league. And then and their safeties are are good. I like Adrian Amos. Jordan Whitehead's all right. Obviously, they had Chuck Clark. I like Chuck Clark, but now he's injured for the rest of the year. I really like Chuck Clark. That dude comes down and, and thuds. And when he's back next year, their their defense is going to get even scarier than it is right now. But I think they got a top five defense right now, at least top ten. Um, and it's going to be a challenge for the Bills. It's not going to be a gimme. I feel like our offensive line has a real test off the bat, and we're going to see how these you know this rookie and this new addition of Connor McGovern plays and. I think also we're going to have to do everything right in stopping them on defense. And we need Bernard to come out swing and we need him to play good this first game. And if he's not playing good, I would really love for the Buffalo Bills to just take him out and put Kirksey in. I know the guy, he's played in a system like ours and he hasn't played with our team, but he's got synergy with guys in the secondary with Hyde and Poyer. And I think he's a good you know, person to have his insurance and I think he will eventually get put into the game. But hey, maybe Bernard comes out and, and makes a lot of plays and he plays really well and I'm wrong. And I, I hope I'm wrong. I do. But I don't know if it's going to go like that. I don't. And then just a straight prediction for the score of the game. kind of want to do that every week to see how close I get. I think it's going to be a bit of a shootout but one team's going to pull away at some point and I just I really hope the Bills could pull this one out and we had I mean look last year we beat Rodgers we have a decent track record going against Aaron but now he's got a better team than he's had you know like this is going to look like a prime Aaron Rodgers but I think I'm going to say Bills win 38-28 but if that swayed towards the Jets side and the Jets won 38-28, I wouldn't be surprised. But this is this is going to be the staple of this Mafia edition of this podcast. And I need you, if you, if you haven't been listening, you tune me out a little bit, turn your headphones up right now, okay? Listen to me. In Buffalo, I have one little term that I love. Everybody says, and they go, bills by a billion. My term is bills by a billion always. Now, it's not much. It's, it's a little edit, little add-on, couple extra letters at the end there. But bills by a billion always, no matter the situation, no matter the game, no matter the hype going into it, it's bills by a billion always. And this really became a, a term of endearment for myself during the Vikings game. It was a cold day. I was at home. Usually my family would go outside, we sit in the garage, smoke a joint, have a good time, watch the game, have a good, you know, live it up. Nobody was outside in the garage with me that day. It was cold. It was cold. I was out there in my Zumbas in my starter jacket, freezing my little cookies off. But then the game started and we know what happened with that game. It was a shootout. It was back and forth. It was a duel. It was incredible. It has. It was easily one of the most significant Bills losses I've ever watched with my tone, two eyes in my life. Next to that 13 seconds game. And I remember I was texting my friends and I watched the whole game through and through. And I was texting my buddies. They're like, oh, I'm done. You know, at some point, maybe like towards halftime, they're like, ah, oh, forget it. You know, we're going to lose. Or whenever we were down, if that was halftime, third quarter, we're, I'm done watching it. Forget it. Then I'm texting him. I said, are you, are you watching the score? Because we're winning now. It's tied. It's 30-30. And they're like, oh, I'm watching it now. I'm watching now. You think I fucking care that you're watching now? I don't care. I sent a video to my buddy. I love the kids. Good dude. It's like a brother to me. Cussing him out. Just screaming and yelling into the phone. He's a fake fucking fan. I'll stand up. Once he's on this podcast, I'll call him out again. Fake fucking 
fan. It's bills by a billion always, no matter if they lose, no matter if we're dragged through the depths of hell from the game, from the start of the game or midway through, it doesn't fucking matter. You watch the game, and if you're going to sit here, I want real fucking Bills fans here. I want people who care about this shit. I want you to watch these games to fruition. I don't care if we're down 28 nothing in the first. We'll figure it out. And if that's not your mentality, then you're not a mafia member, okay? I need you to start injecting the shit in your veins, not heroin. Please don't do that. But inject this this mafia blood into you. And that mafia blood, that straight blue cheese in Lebec, just in a syringe, just psst, right into your fucking veins, pumping through your heart, getting, getting into your fucking brain. This is the focus, people. We're at the edge. We're so close to this bill season. And I'm going to have, I want this to be out Sunday or Monday. It's going to be one of the two. I'm recording it Saturday, early morning. I just woke up. This energy, this energy has been feeding through me all fucking week. And we're going to play the best game of football that we're going to have all year. We're going to go out on that field and we're going to kick those New York little puss. New York. Fuck that. These New Jersey little punk bitches. We're going to kick them off their own fucking MetLife field. And we're going to walk out of there victorious. And and Mafia, the Mafia is going to be electric for the rest of the season. But I need this energy. I need you to feel this fucking energy. And whatever you're doing, if you're staying at home, if you're tailgating, if you're going to the bar, don't let there be a naysayer. There's somebody, if we're down 10 points with five minutes left, don't let them start naysaying you. Don't let them swing your fucking opinion. Change their mentality. Get in their face. Get in their fucking face. I'm telling you to, I'm telling you to fight people for this team, okay? We need this energy. We know what the goal is. Like I said earlier, I'm not going to say what that goal is. I'm extremely superstitious. But we need to hit this goal quick because that window's closing. We can't fuck around anymore. We've been we've been too close too many times. And I'm done with that. So I'm gonna leave this here. Like I said, 38-28 Buffalo. Let's go, Bills. Wherever you go this week, it's not if you're at a friend's house and you say, Oh, goodbye, guys. Have a good night. Thanks for having us over and then for the shake and bake chicken. It was delicious. Say thank you for everything. Go Bills. And Mafia, go Bills. And I'm going to leave you with this little shout song. I want to do this at the beginning of each of these episodes. Because when you're in line for a Bills game, and you hear some drunk maniac in the back, dude, that feeling is unfucking matched Anywhere else, any other fan base, Dude, I was at a comedy show. I was at the Matt Rife show for all you women. If there's any women listening to this, I was at the Matt Rife show with my girlfriend. She was Google Gaga and over him. He was fantastic, by the way. Best comedian I've seen yet. Best hour set. And we were in Ontario. And this guy, the opener comes out hyping up the crowd. And he's like, you know, we got some crazy motherfuckers from Toronto. And they're like, yeah. And then he's like, oh, where, where are my people from Quebec? And they're like, wee wee. And then he goes, oh, what about, what about my people from Buffalo? We got any people from Buffalo? This crowd fucking erupted. And we're all screaming. Dude, I was shit-faced. Go Bills! I'm yelling up. I'm in the top section. We got the shout song going. It's everywhere. It's infectious. And, and I want these episodes to start and end with this, this shout song so you can feel it. And understand what we're getting into. This is going to be a big year for Buffalo. It's going to be a big year for the old New York. It's going to be a big year for the Mafia. Let's have some fun. Enjoy the last two days you have of peace and quiet in your life. Because it's the calm before the storm. We got a rainy weekend coming up here in Buffalo. Let's go kick some ass in Jersey. Go Bills. And we'll talk very very soon about a Bills win.